electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures briefly erased some losses as July jobs come in 1.76 million. Not as strong as June, but above expectations. Not much progress in Congress stimulus talks. And of course, we're watching the White House order banning U.S. companies from doing business with WeChat and TikTok. Jim, uh, this brings uh, the number over three months, uh, 9 million jobs added after losing 22 million in March and April. Right. My fears is that this may uh, make it so that the negotiators for the package uh, drag things out because things are better than expected. So it looks like you could make a case. Well, let's be more considered about this. That would be bad because this number does not include a lot of reclosing. The biggest number, biggest increase line item was bars, bars and restaurants. And we know that that backfired. So I, I, I intend to I, I, I think that it's really important to keep the uh, the fire to the feet of these Congress people, because, boy, I, I just don't think I think this is the last good one. Yeah, uh, Bloomberg's going with the headline that says the talks last night were rancorous um, and, uh, and really no signs. Brink of collapse is one of the headlines out of yeah. Bloomberg. But you don't think that the strength of the jobs number today, Jim, uh, gives the Democrats any incentive to blink? Wow. You know, I've been trying I've been debating that all morning. And I think that, that you heard uh, you heard Speaker Pelosi on our show. I, I'm still I, I thought I'm that was breathtaking how much she just really believes that they're heartless and they don't care. Do you really negotiate with heartless and pe- heartless people who don't care? I don't think so. Even if I, I just think that she has or just is running on the idea that they block the money that would have been yours. And she's not changing. So where does, where does that leave us then, Jim? I well, mean, if you really think that they can't reach some sort of let's compromise, as difficult as it is to see that actually happening or even for either side to say that word, unfortunately, these days, where, where do we end up? I don't know. Do you, I, I do believe that maybe Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, really made this thing much tougher. It was not like when it was civil with Mnuchin. Remember, it was very civil. Right. He must have called uh, the speaker... So many times they had a great dialogue. There's no dialogue. And without that dialogue, David, then I think we have to say this is the number that we're going to trade. And this number, as much as everyone's excited about it, I think some of it could be repealed. You know, retail, 258,000. What, what happened there? They opened up the non-essential retailers. Well, how are they doing? Horribly. Carl, this is a number that reflects hope. The hope that we had during a period where we were reopening the economy. And I think that unless we get numbers down, and I think we can, but get numbers down, uh, the reopening is, is becoming less relevant because there's a lot of places that have had to close, particularly the bars. And, geez, we got to put the money in people's pockets. I'm shocked that they can't at least get a $600. seems like everybody's in favor of $600 extension. So it is, uh, I don't think it's a positive situation at all. I just don't. 
Well, the seven-day average of cases is coming way down, Jim. In fact, uh, Tom Lee, our good friend, out with a note this morning, uh, looking back at the peak in April, and he says back then, after that peak, it took uh, the epicenter stocks, travel, leisure, all those uh, sectors, 20 days to outperform by 3,000 basis points. He says the 20-day period from this peak would be August 14th. So in the next week, he's looking for at least a tactical bounce. Well, we got to hope for that. Uh, I do know, look, they're getting better and better at treating people. Uh, But we still don't have antiviral and we still don't have a vaccine. And I continue to say until you have those, everything that's positive is suspect. Because I just don't think we have this under control come the fall. We may have it under control in a few weeks, but uh, there isn't really a a person who's come on air of the science background who doesn't expect the fall to be very tough. And, and so that's why I think that they have to make an agreement. They have to on rent. They have to make an agreement on employment. And I'm shocked that they can't come up with something. I mean, there's just there is so much room for compromise between three trillion and one trillion. David, let's just split the difference. Can you just split the difference? You would. Yeah, I would. And I, I thought I heard Schumer quoted as saying that they were trying to get there, but there wasn't a lot of give on the. Uh, on the Republican side. So, I, you know, you would think you'd get somewhere right around two trillion. Right. Uh, but Meadows but keeps saying apparently uh, that that's the not difference is significant. Carl, I, I continue to think that Meadows must be the hardliner in the room. You make sure that everybody mm. knows how thi- how different, how how wide the gap is. He's making everyone know that. Now, yep. why? How does that help? Unless you don't want to deal. Yeah. And you want something out. this weekend. It's and I, I'm sure David uh, agrees that uh, Meadows, if he were simply voting in the House for any package, he would most likely be a no. Uh, right. And here he is helping shepherd a deal. Um, guys, this is our chance to talk about TikTok. Yeah. Uh, David, I just wonder what you think the implications of this order is and the, and the uh, possibility of further bans uh, once these 45 days pass. You know, it's 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 uh, of, of importance. And by the way, you know, while we say TikTok, because we've been so focused on the potential sale of that business in the U.S. to Microsoft, something we reported on earlier this week from its owner ByteDance, a Chinese company. Guys, the the WeChat part of this, the other executive order involving WeChat is probably um, caught the uh, attention of the market, broadly speaking, more significantly even, because Tencent, the owner of WeChat, is an enormous company. We don't talk about it that often, in part because it doesn't trade here, uh, unlike Alibaba, for example, another Chinese giant that we do often talk about. Uh, But, you know, even though the users of the WeChat communications app in the U.S. are small, a few million people, most likely based on at least what you can, uh, what some of the analysts who follow uh, Tencent believe uh, it, it does own a lot of other things. Um, you know, it, it riot games. It owns minority stake in Epic Games. Remember Fortnite, Activision, uh, Blizzard, uh, Universal Music Group, which is, of course, um, majority owned by Vivendi, even Warner Music. There's a lot of different business that goes on here. And so there is some concern uh, in the idea that any transaction that is related to WeChat by any person with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the U.S. with Tencent would be prohibited. What does that actually encompass? What does it actually mean? And will it continue to expand? Uh, so, Jim, you know, there's only one way to view this. You as a hawk, and I know that, of course, I, I would assume applaud this to some extent. But um, 
it is only exacerbating the current tensions between our two countries in a significant way and, of course, the commerce that continues to go back and forth between them. It, big escalation. Uh, again, turning it from a trade war to a cold war. Uh, are they discussing uh, banning the Chinese IPOs? Yes. Uh, we know that there's a number of them that are coming. Uh, look, the, it, it is so obvious what, what President Trump wants. He wants to say in the election... I stood up to the Chinese. It didn't matter that there was a pandemic. I took them on. I paid them back for what they did to us. Remember, David, Chinese virus. He's right, not talking. He doesn't, never uses the term COVID-19. No. It's Chinese virus. Uh, and I think that this is all part and parcel with, look, it, does he, that they disrupt campaign events will be the next thing you hear about, I think. So, Carl, I think that this is, uh, the, the, the WeChat is basically saying, you know what, we're, we don't believe anything you say. And we're coming after you for everything because when we do deals with you, you demand 50%. You steal everything anyway. So what we're going to do is we're going to confiscate you. And it's very gutsy. It's an app. Holy cow. Next is the IPOs. Um, yeah, well, it's an enormous app around the world in right. terms of communications as WeChat. It does appear to specifically ref- deal with that. But the question continues, Carl, to be, will it expand far beyond that? Or does it already in some way, given the language, have something to do with their their other businesses and doing business here in the U.S.? So to Jim's point, it is an escalation without doubt. Not unexpected in TikTok in some ways. Doesn't really move that deadline that much forward anyway given where we were with that and the timeline that they're on in terms of ByteDance and Microsoft, uh, but needs to be watched closely and certainly will have an impact, it would seem at least, on the market, or at least a couple of those names, as Jim said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tencent was down as much as 10% overnight. Uh, guys, on the other side of the break, uh, Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi on that wider-than-expected loss, but revenue ahead eats up uh, more than 2x year-on-year. Year. We're back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Shares of Uber falling this morning, but not that much after what people are calling a mixed quarter. A revenue beat considerably, but it uh, dropped nearly 30 percent year over year with gross bookings down over 70 percent. The bright spot was food delivery, more than doubling for the quarter. And when I say that revenue is better, that's really the division that I'm focused on. We have an exclusive right now with Dara Khosrowshahi, who is the CEO of, I think, maybe the most controversial company in the market other than perhaps Tesla. Darrow, welcome to Squawk on the Street. Always good to see you. Thanks for having me. I don't know if I should be proud to have that title, but thank you. (laughs) Well, I I struggle myself, and here's why. Because I have a tough time with the rideshare business, but I have to admit, what you're doing in delivery is extraordinary, and the idea that you have a barbell where when when we have a pandemic, delivery is a must, and when things get better, we're gonna have a lot more riders. Uh, so win me over on the idea that you can make that much money in food delivery that I don't have to worry about the losses in or just regular ridership. Well, I think the hedge that you're talking about is actually pretty powerful. Uh, we can't predict the future. We don't know how long this crisis is going to go. And actually, 
the recovery that we're seeing all around the world and one of the benefits that we see in our business is we are global is different from country to country. And what we're seeing is when countries come back sooner and we do have countries coming back sooner. So for example, uh, Asia Pacific outside of India is coming back very quickly. We're seeing recoveries in Hong Kong and New Zealand where we've reached pre-COVID levels at times, uh, seeing that you know things come back and when uh, a country recovers and cities recovers, actually people get back on the road. Uh, same thing in Europe. Europe is now down. France, Germany, Spain are down 35% or less. They're still down, but it's a considerable bounce back versus uh, the lows. And even during this period of crisis, what we're seeing is that the EATS business is growing at unprecedented rates. Uh, EATS is now at a $30 billion uh, plus run rate. To put that into perspective, when I joined Uber, this was less than uh, three years ago, the Uber rides business was at $30 billion. So we now have an EATS business built in three years, all organically at a $30 billion run rate. Uh, its top line gross bookings are growing 113% year on year. Revenue is growing 160% year on year. And we're already profitable in a number of countries, including our top two international, uh, including two of our top five international countries. Well, it, it so this home delivery is moving and it's moving right now. If that's the case, I have to believe that Postmates, your big acquisition, must have been very profitable. Is that possible? Postmates, we think, will be profitable. Uh, and again, the Eats business for us, the, the, the delivery business, isn't making money right now, but it's because we're investing behind this unbelievable wave of growth. And I think Postmates is doing the same thing. What's really interesting with Postmates, too, is Postmates has been an innovator in advancing and expanding the category. So Eats and Postmates are not just going to be about delivering food, but they're going to be about delivering grocery, convenience, pharmacy as well. We think there's a huge market. Anything that you want from your local business or from your local market uh, sent to your home inside of 30 minutes, that's an enormous business and you're seeing signs now, but it's very early signs of a huge market ahead of us. Okay. One of the things that does concern me, you have a, a page in your deck which says leveraging our unique assets, talking about leading technology, brand recognition, product expertise, but uh, in a fa- and really famous now quote or infamous, uh, Matt Maloney from Grubhub said, look, the, it's all promiscuous. The customer's promiscuous. They'll go anywhere. There is no loyalty. Now, there's an operator who sold, Matt Maloney, saying, look, it's just not possible to be proprietary. How do we deal with what Maloney's saying versus the unique assets that you think you have? Well, I think what I listen to are the numbers. Uh, and our monthly active eaters are up. Our monthly orders per eater are up. Our basket size, the average order amount, is up. Our eater retention is up year on year, quarter on quarter, in the U.S. and internationally. So every single metric is up. We think a big part of this is the satisfaction that our uh, our customers get from our delivery. Uh, we think we lead in terms of average delivery times and the experience of getting hot food or grocery within 30 minutes. It is an amazing, delightful experience. And more and more people are experiencing it now. So we don't see uh, customers who are promiscuous. We see customers who are increasingly loyal. Um, back to the ride business itself, Dara. I, you know, it's David, by the way. I, you know what? What are your? What is your sense in terms of the ramp 
back to sort of um, not even neutral, but at least back to some level that that uh, that that was at least reflective of the past. Uh, is it going to be extraordinarily bumpy or are we starting to see more of a straight lineup? We think the, the direction is up, but it is going to be bumpy uh, for perspective. Our rides business uh, was down 70 percent uh, year on year for the quarter. But in July, uh, we ran at minus 50 percent. Obviously, that's not you want to be much better than that. But it is a consistent improvement. But it's a consistent improvement over the portfolio and on average. What we see is we see increases and then sometimes there's a little bounce back. It's, it's a bumpy ride, but the direction is unquestionably up. Uh, outside the U.S., we're seeing a recovery that is more consistent and a stronger recovery. The U.S., though, is lagging, especially West Coast cities. Um, when it comes to the rest of the world, are you uh, happy with the markets that you're in right now and your investment plans in those markets? And by the way, I'm talking here uh, across both businesses. Or are we going to hear from you yet again in terms of some changes when it comes to sort of how you're focused in certain markets and others that you perhaps may decide not to compete as aggressively in? Uh, well, change is constant at Uber, right? Uh, I'd be uncomfortable if there weren't change. But I will tell you that we like our portfolio now. And it's a portfolio where we got two businesses, essentially, that hedge each other out. If this crisis goes on for longer, our each business is just going to grow for longer. And it's bigger right now today than than our our mobility business. And we've got a hedge portfolio in terms of a global scope so that we've got exposure essentially to the U.S., which we think is going to come back. But then we've got considerable exposure outside of the U.S. And these markets are big. Uh, the margins are very, very strong. Uh, and we like what we see as far as our geographical profile goes. We'll continue to expand the categories that we deliver in. So this is not just going to be about food. It's going to be about essentials, groceries, everything sent to your home. Uh, Dara, a quick diversion from me here to sort of a question, uh, given your long time uh, spent at the center of technology, let's just say it broadly here. I mean, you compete with a Chinese company, for example, Didi, in certain markets. But I'm curious to get your thoughts about what's going on right now between our country and China, particularly given this executive order yesterday in terms of banning TikTok and WeChat here in the U.S. You know, how do you view that, broadly speaking, as somebody who's been in this business, meaning sort of technology for a long time? You know, I think it's unfortunate how it is happening. Uh, and I'd say the speed with which it's happening and the process is, is not the kind of process that, that you want to run. But I do think that this is a part of a pattern of uh, there being two different internets, uh, China Internet and a non-China Internet. Um, China has been, to some extent, uh, a large extent, a protected market in certain strategic industries. And I think the West has to make a decision as to whether uh, we're going to be consistent that way outside of China as well. So I'm not surprised that this is happening. And these are important discussions to be had. Uh, but I think the dialogue can improve. Hey, Dar, you know, it seems like all we do uh, lately is talk about urban flight, uh, people leaving cities and even those remaining near cities buying their own cars, uh, at least when it comes to rides in the international markets that you mentioned that have recovered are you seeing that? And, and isn't that sort of a structural liability that won't be easily reversed? We're not seeing signs of that yet. Again, we're seeing these markets uh, return and some of these markets in Asia, for example, return to uh, post-COVID highs. Europe is coming back as well. And actually, what we're seeing is that our ridership is recovering faster, for example, than transit ridership. Uh, so there may be 
mixes in terms of the overall market size. The, the thing about our business is we're going to be wherever you are. So if you're in a big city or a medium city or a small city, uh, you're going to have Uber. You're going to be moving around your town. So we're fairly neutral as to where you live. Obviously, big cities are a bigger part of our business. But if that evens out, um, we're going to follow economic local activity one way or the other. And there could be a mix effect. Uh, I think mass transit right now is is having some difficulty. And actually, we're investing in services, like a recent acquisition that we made with RouteMatch, that is designed to help mass transit. It's taking our technology, our routing technology, our scheduling technology. Um, it's helping mass transit with particularly difficult and expensive parts of their business, such as paratransit. So we actually want to lean in and we want to help cities and mass transit recover as well. Um, every quarter, uh, we, we hear more and more complaints about uh, pro forma results, uh, adjusted EBITDA profit. Will there be an effort over coming quarters to divorce yourselves from, I'll call them crutches like that? You know, the I wouldn't call them crutches. I mean, I object to that. Um, it, it's a view of the business that we think is an accurate view of the business, and it removes some of the accounting uh, that doesn't necessarily reflect um, core trends of the business. So we disclose uh, gap results and we disclose non-gap results and we leave it up to our investors to decide which they want to invest uh, invest based on. And we think giving more information is a good thing. Dara, I know that you mentioned several times monthly active uh, platform consumers, so I struggle about what you could put through there. I come up with two things. One, maybe it's driverless because that is coming. And the other is, why can't you create a scalable ad platform on top of Eats and sell search terms? Because as a restaurateur, I want that. Uh, so, Jim, you'll be happy. We are. Uh, we are building an ad business on top of Eats as well. Uh, it will allow restaurateurs to essentially um, sell ad terms or get promotion, push their uh, restaurant more aggressively on the platform. Uh, just like Amazon has built a big product search business. Or Google. Uh, we are, we're, or Google building uh, a big ad business. Uh, we are building, we have built an advertising business on Eats. We're rolling it out now live in a number of cities and expect to see more of that over uh, the next year. So you'll get your chance to buy some search terms on Eats. Absolutely. Well, that's a darn good business. I know the gross margins for you would be amazing. Maybe for us. I don't know. Derek Costa, sorry. Thank you so much for coming on, man. The, I'm sorry, on Squawk on the Street. And uh, good luck to you. And I think we're going to keep fathoming it. But I like a lot of the stuff that involves with Postmates. I think it's working. CEO of Uber. Thank you. Back to you. Thank Carl. you. We'll take a break here on this uh, Friday morning. A lot of names to get to when we come back on the other side of the bell, including Zillow. Uh, there's Dropbox, a multi-year agreement between Gilead and Pfizer. Uh, futures uh, back down. We're back in a minute. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Two and a half minutes before uh, we get started with the last trading session of the week and a lot of news to take into account for the market. But you want to talk a little Zillow on the Mad Dash. Well, yes, David, because there's big implications from the Zillow upside surprise, which you'll see the stock probably up more than any other today. You know, the adorning of the age of Aquarius. Yes. All right. Well, Rich Barton, who's the new CEO, he's calling us the dawn of the great reshuffling. And that means COVID and work from home policies are inspiring people to rethink their homes and consider moving. Yes, people are moving at record rates. And that is fantastic for Zillow. So when you start thinking about, well, how do I play this uh, de-urbanization? How do I play this uh, with housing? Instead of buying Toll Brothers or Lennar, people are buying Zillow. And you think that makes sense, I would assume. Yes, I do. I think Rich Barton makes a very good case. They also, of course, this buying and selling of homes. That I just think that the sheer uh, volume of moves in this country, rather extraordinary. What, what's on the other side of this? What do I want to short or stay away from as a result of this trend if it really you, you want to short sustains man. itself? You want to short Manhattan real estate, not unlike what you have. Thank and you. you want to buy uh, beach houses, not unlike what I have. Perfect. Great. Okay, so <laughs> you and I just need to slip, switch places. Yeah, well, but you yeah. have so much real estate. I mean, I would True. assume at any one moment some of your portfolio, your vast portfolio, is suffering while other parts of it are, yeah, are you going mean, up. Yeah, you mean like the parts where the tenants stop paying? Is that what you're alluding yeah, to? The, to? where the tenants stop paying yeah. or where you can't even go because you're not allowed into the country. That, well, that's another one that's really hurt me quite yeah. substantially in two different countries. So there are issues. The real estate portfolio is not performing as, as much as I'd like. Right. So, and I can't own individual stocks or else I would go by Zillow as a hedge to my portfolio. So, David, you really got me there and right back from when I said that your, house, your apartment's losing money. Yeah, it is. But, but to your point, quickly. well, whatever. You know what? High class problems. We've got a lot of Thank people, for saying that. Carl, in this country who are, who are dealing with things that are much more immediate, and we certainly and don't ever want to make right. light of that in and any way. And this is my wife who does real estate, just so people know. She's, she works for Corcoran. She does that. Yeah, a journal with a piece this morning, guys, that foreign purchases of U.S. homes uh, is at a seven-year low uh, for obvious reasons, as David just alluded to. There's the opening bell on this Friday. Uh, David, some names that are right in your wheelhouse, like Timo and Dish, yeah, they are. Uh, and we can start off. I'm looking for my Timo notes here because, of course, it was, as you point out, just from saying it, it was a strong quarter. I want to see how the stock is actually reacting this morning. Um, they're now number two, they're saying, which is just Isn't that incredible. Uh, it really is. And and it is up over five percent. You see it right there. One point two four five million total net additions. They say that's the best in the industry. One point one one two postpaid best in the industry. Um, you know, they had a long time to think about how they wanted to integrate Sprint. 
given how long it took for that deal to actually close from the time it was announced. What we're talking about almost two full years. But, Jim, um, they hit the ground running. No doubt about that. John Ledger no longer associated with the company, but he certainly put them in the right footing. And Mike Sievert seems to be just moving right along where uh, right off of where he had taken them. Uh, And we are now talking about an extraordinarily competitive third competitor in the wireless market in this country uh, that is, again, now they're saying number two. Uh, and keeps coming with a spectrum position that, by the way, is the envy of the other two to some extent. Yeah, and also the deals. The deals are incredible. When you see these numbers, they obviously, Ledger had a low-cost operation because they are well undercutting everybody, and they're still making a huge amount of money. So they've got the scale. They have a, a great network. That was something, remember, when, when, when Ledger took over, the network was, was, was very, uh, let's say, sketchy. Yes. So this combination, I read this, this, this conference call. I urge people to listen to it. This integration was so seamless, and yet I thought it was could just produce just sheer hell. David, this must be, uh, this, I don't know, Siebert, you do. It, I know him a bit. Unfortunately, he uh, tends to go on. After earnings on the uh, the show later in the day here at CNBC, not that we don't love all of our shows, but we don't unfortunately get uh, get graced by his presence here. We hope that'll change. Okay, so I, so I know get, him a bit, but not that. as well as I might like. Just give me a cell. Take care of that. Yeah, the weekend. <laughs> you take care yeah. of that, man. <laughs> Carl, this T-Mobile has been a sh- the, the whole time. Verizon has been bouncing between 53 and 59, and ATT goes down. This thing has been uh, a growth stock, and it's uh, kind of like Tesla in that Tesla is the growth auto. This was the growth telco, and it is rather amazing. And it's not done, and I think it's still a good stock even up here. I had Hans Vestberg on yeah, last sure. night. That's a good yielder, but doesn't have this kind of growth. I tried to get him to buy TikTok. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go there, would he? No. Yeah. How'd I you know s- that? Well, I looked at the transcript. Oh, I, that could be it. Yeah, where he said, we're no, not really interested in that. It's not part of our strategy. You tried. Carl, you tried. D- David has always been a stickler. He's always demanded facts. <laughs> and it's really just ruins the whole darn narrative, frankly. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, though. Yeah. I liked hearing it, you know. <laughs> I was shot down on that. Uh, Jim, it, it, <laughs> it does give us a chance, Jim, uh, to get your take on the crazy intraday action on Apple yesterday as it approaches $2 trillion in market cap. Uh, you know, all these worries about price pressures on, on 5G phones, uh, a delay this September on some models, uh, gross margin pressure on services, all the reasons that B of A uh, took it off their focus list this week for yeah. it. doesn't <laughs> seem to be bothering the market much. Yeah, he's, tra- he's trading it, not owning it. Well, Sears Logic reported a really good number, and they're very affiliated with Apple, and that was uh, hardly noticed by people, which I thought was very strange. They do the sound. They're, they're very, uh, they'll never mention the word Apple. I mean, they, they would call it orange. They would call it a banana. I mean, once I tried to get them to use the term Apple, and it, it was just torture, but they had good numbers, and I was surprised that B of A did what he did, knowing that Sears wouldn't have good numbers unless uh, Apple's ready and ready right now. And I think it's just a, a, a mugs game to sell the stock. Uh, I maybe we'll find out some big account buying it. But you know, Facebook had the same thing. There was nothing happening at Facebook that that stock should go up $15. It's almost like someone's buying a, va- a fang box again. You know, someone's put together an ETF and just moves these stocks because nothing happened. At them. And Carl, I got to tell you, it's the type yeah. of thing as if they were going down. It's mystifying to people. Obviously, there are a lot of people who think right now, uh, if you came in in March, that stocks only go up. Can you imagine? There are people who think that. David, I'm looking at you. 
And I'm telling you right now, will you just stop looking bored? So I'm, I'm not looking stuck. bored. I'm you trying to look really at what's bored. going on. I'm trying to do some reading. You know that. Remember? Remember when we used to sit next to each other and it would always upset you that I wasn't actually paying full attention to you? What do you mean, more Because I was looking at my phone or I was looking at the, some of the research or, I mean, there's Never things mind. going on. I'm looking at you. Come on. What did you want to tell me? No. I'm. What did you want to tell me? <laughs> Come on. No. <laughs> I don't even remember Jim, where we were. No, your, your, point, on, your, oh, your point on Facebook's good. Uh, there's been a, a lot of news this week on, on Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg's now a centibillionaire uh, worth $100 billion as uh, the uh, market cap has increased. This, um, I don't know if you saw the tweet from TikTok today um, <laughs> retweeting the tweet from Instagram on Instagram Reels. And TikTok said, uh, this looks familiar. So right. we're going to see another example of Facebook trying to take out a rival by essentially copying uh, their style. But we like that because it's China. Look, I, I called probably a, a half dozen people Facebook yesterday. I'm proud to say that I have some sources there. And everyone wanted to know what's going on, Jim, I, as if I knew it. And that's why I default to ETF buying. Because literally, the only thing that happened, uh, what, there was a team meeting that well, Mark spoke at, and right, that's but it? Isn't it? Conceivable, as, as Carl alluded to, that given the sh- potential shutdown of TikTok and not being clear whether it's going to be bought by Microsoft, that Facebook would benefit. Absolutely. You're right. You're right, David. I mean, because but Facebook's adamant that it won't be bad if Microsoft gets it, provided that they cut off the Chinese. Yeah. But I think that, yes, Facebook's Still. a winner in that. David, this Instagram small business initiative. Yes. I had Etsy on last night. The companies that are really pushing it's Etsy. It's square. I may have to come up with a new acronym. It's et- I'm looking right at David. That's why I don't mean to ignore oh, the camera. It's Etsy. It's Square. It's face to- Facebook's Instagram. And it's et- and uh, it really, there's Shopify, of course. That's it. And it, I was going to say Wix, but Wix had a disappointing quarter the other day. But Etsy's so strong. But so is this one. This is the Facebook, David, it's yeah. a small business play. They have nine million, nine I million. I know. And by the way, that, whole, that entire boycott or those who were, who were suspending didn't seem to make a bit of difference. They'll be back in terms of their quarter. Uh, and as a percentage overall, we did make this point. It was a per- fairly low percentage when you're talking about the top 100 brands or top 100 advertisers in the country. They never did that well with the CPGs, no, it's, did it's, it's, I mean, it's not insignificant, but to your point, it really is about the small and medium-sized businesses. Um, you know, on the TikTok front, guys, uh, by the way, I mean, again, the market trying to digest the executive order in terms of, well, not letting you do business with mm-hmm. ByteDance, which essentially means shutting down TikTok here in the U.S., and then... The WeChat as well. There they are on the threat posed by TikTok. That's the executive order uh, that was put out yesterday by the administration. And TikTok responding with its own statement. But there's still going to be, listen, we've, you know, back to the Microsoft talks. I mean, there's a lot of difficulty that's got to surround those. I told you earlier this week about the year that they would have to recreate the code here in the U.S. But, Jim, this, these algorithms are constantly reiterated. I mean, at Facebook, they tweak them. Every day, practically, it's still not completely clear, by the way, as you read the White House executive order saying they, uh, or TikTok statement saying they're shocked by it, w- issued without any due process and uh, risks undermining global business trust in the U.S. Um, right. And the rule of law, all the things that you might anticipate that they would say in response to that. You know, there is this question, though, in terms of just the, 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 the basic idea of Microsoft even owning the business. How would it communicate with the other TikToks? It wouldn't necessarily. What about when they make changes to the algorithm in China? Well, obviously, that would not be the case here. How will that 
service evolve on its own independently? Um, and what about all the changes that are made almost every day during the process of them moving the code? There's just so I, many different questions. Look, they, you know that the Hawks in the White House are going to say, look, there could be no remaining connection whatsoever right. to ByteDance in China. How, if, you're, if, if you're Saudi, that's a nightmare. Yeah, it's How hard. do you transition it? And you got to do it, but yeah, how many days do you have? You got you, 365 you days you, uh, to transition the code. By the way, that is a, a, now, you know, that I, when I report it, people come back. That's hard. That is not an easy undertaking no. at all. That is a lot of man hours and a lot of sophisticated engineers who are going to do it. I mean, this is a company, by the way, that has 10,000 engineers, ByteDance, 10,000 of them. 10,000? Yeah. And millions and millions of lines of AI code, which is what makes TikTok work that's a lot of to find guys carl you got to go to I mean, you, it, it, those are bidding work for those people out west i always tell kids who come to me and they say listen i want a job in journalism i say yeah, yeah go go get a computer science degree because it's all about keyword yep. and it's all about trying yeah, but, to get places but jim china's got a lot more of them than we do at this point well that's, they, that's they, one they, of the they, issues they have like 1.3 billion they have a lot more people they have, yes, there obviously. you go Yes. There you see. That's why Nike. It's so big for Nike. No, it's true. They got a lot uh, more of everything. We, the only thing we have a lot more of is COVID. We got a lot more of that, unfortunately. Oh, yes. Bring us down. Well, Jim, it, to the degree that there are further restrictions on U.S. companies selling ads on Chinese platforms or selling them cloud services or putting apps on their stores in China, why is that not a liability for the six huge names that make up half the NDX? Look, I, well, we know that, that some are, uh, just have had nothing to do with China. And, you know, Facebook and Alphabet. But I know, obviously, you're going for Apple. And I just think that Apple has walked a tightrope so incredibly well. Netflix shut down. Remember, they were about to go into China, and they were just completely shut down. Obviously, Amazon knows. So in a lot of ways, people feel that Fa'ang is much less uh, exposed than some of the semiconductor companies. And, by the way, uh, uh, Nike. And even Lululemon, the sainted Lululemon. So, I mean, I think that all of those have, uh, are, are, they're waiting, they're, they're checking, let's put it this way, they're checking Twitter every minute. They, have a, they must have a person on Twitter. Every one of those companies has a person on Twitter to be able to be ready because uh, the rule of law is, I, I don't think that, that WeChat's all that far apart with that, David, the rule of law. Wait, what do you mean? What? Well, the, the rule of law. Yes. They're not that off base there. I mean, it's the same way that the president might want to sign an executive order uh, this weekend to put a package together for employment. Right. That, that's a, Congress is supposed to do that. Yes, so it is. The president Congress really that, the that balance of powers thing. Yes. Nah, didn't t- either didn't take the course or thinks the founding fathers were just really well, not that good at what they did. Definitely hasn't read the Constitution. But how about he's seen Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. Vice President did. Did he? He didn't see him? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Carl, I want you asked about T-Mobile and you also asked about Dish. So let me at least finish my part here. Just get to Dish because it is up this morning. Uh, we all will await Charlie Ergen's conference call. That will be later. And that is always interesting. And a focus of that, of course, will be on the wireless business. You talk about T-Mobile and, and what it is being able to accomplish in the United States. Well, of course, remember, a key part of why the deal was allowed to proceed was not just boost, but a lot of other assets going to 
um, dish to allow it to really create a fourth competitor in 5G nationwide. That's going to take some time, but we are all going to be listening closely to the call to see if there is anything given, any voice given at all to where they stand on that, whether there's anybody they're going to be bringing in to help write a huge equity check for the build out or anything of that nature. As for sub losses, Dish didn't have that many. They're focused on rural America. Uh, and so the, the, the numbers there were only down 40,000 in the second quarter. Uh, and Sling TV, they lost 56,000. So not bad. And you can see a positive response in the marketplace. But, but really for this company in the future, it's all about, it's all about the wireless uh, play and the questions there. We have many of them yet to be answered. All right, guys. Uh, let's get to Rick Santelli this morning as we look at stocks reaction to the jobs number and uh, yields as well. Hey, Rick. Yes. And yields. Well, their first blush was what we all thought when we saw the data could have been worse, maybe better than expected for most. And obviously a long way to go because the economy isn't fully reopened. So look at an intraday of tens. Yes, that spike where rates were at their highest today, that was right at 8.30 Eastern, and they have given up some since. As a matter of fact, if you look at a one-week chart, we're going back down, and we all know that a bit under 51 basis points is the all-time low-yield close, and pretty much it's the intraday lows of this week as well, so we want to pay close attention. Now, if you look at the dollar index, and this is very interesting, right now where it's trading, it's up on the week. It's up on the week because it closed Last week at 93.35, why is this important? Put a June 1st chart up. For the last six weeks, starting on Friday, June 19th, every week is closed lower. If we close under 93.35, this would be the seventh week. But it certainly looks like the bounce is ensuing here, and we are bouncing off of levels that we haven't seen in 27 months. Now, if we flip this around and look at a one week of the euro versus the dollar, which is about, what, 57% of the dollar index, we could see exactly the opposite. It moved up higher. As a matter of fact, it stuck its nose above 119 briefly. That's a 27-month high, and it's backing down a bit. One of the main drivers of the euro strength, we talked about this in January. We talked about this in February. The notion of actually getting a shared debt deal done and a stencil for many more deals like that is a hugely bullish story for the euro currency. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, we'll talk to you later on, uh, Rick Santelli. So a bit of a mixed bag to start this Friday session. You got uh, banks and energy down. Exxon and Chevron are the Dow laggards. Uh, Home Depot, the top performer at the moment. Back in just a moment. It's unfortunate how it is happening. Uh, and I'd say the speed with which it's happening and the process is, is not the kind of process that, that you want to run. But I do think that this is a part of a pattern of uh, there being two different internets, uh, China internet and a non-China internet. Um, China has been, to some extent, uh, a large extent, a protected market in certain strategic industries. And I think the West has to make a decision as to whether uh, we're going to be consistent that way outside of China as well. So I'm not surprised that this is happening. And these are important discussions to be had. Uh, but I think the dialogue can improve. Dara's, uh, Dara Kosmashahi of Uber a few moments ago talking about the withering relations between the U.S. and China, Jim, which we've seen through the lens of the trade reps, the State Department, executive orders, and it sounds like you think the SEC would be a, ne- a next chapter. Yeah. I, well, I'd like to know what's going to happen with the Kodak deal. That's questionable. That one's not so good. Uh, I, that's, a, that's that deal that would create a lot of jobs 
and we have to make our pills here. It's incredible how even since Wuhan, the percent of pills that we get from China has grown. I mean, that's insane. I mean, uh, but that's what's been going on. So I know that there is a need to build to have our own. Uh, we got to have our own uh, pill shops, but I don't know. I maybe that the fellows who, who was buying the Kodak fellows were really kind. They were more aggressive. You know, Moderna, they were selling very quickly. Yeah. The Kodak guys were buying very quickly. Yeah, David, you've yeah. got to admit that if I, that if you uh, got that call that you might be doing the building for uh, the government, mm-hmm. I don't think you'd rewrite your option deal. You'd hope not. You'd hope not. Yeah, listen, it was a week ago that I went through all the particulars on the Kodak deal. Since then, obviously, we saw George Carfunkel, a, a director, reduce his stake in the company significantly, don- donated 3 million shares as well, gets the tax deduction for that. Right. But now the SEC investigation. So it was one week ago. Remember the this fund that was appropriate, that actually was changed by executive order, been a lot of them, on mm-hmm. May 14th, I believe it was, that it allows it to invest in supply chains here in the U.S. and to help the COVID, uh, in terms of COVID response. It's a $60 billion fund that was supposed to be used for investing in developing countries. Um, there's so many different things there involving that company, uh, or that transaction, I should say, Jim, that continue to be uh, questioned. Well, we'll why, see where why it ends the heck up. Did they, how did they find those guys? I don't know. Well, I think this is, I'm going to put this in the ill-advised category. Yeah. Yeah. Ill-advised. It did appear to be. You think it was suboptimal, the deal? It was. But you know what? I'd love to come back to China, broadly speaking. And obviously, the Kodak deal is part of that as well, as you point out, to try to bring back the supply chain in terms of drug ingredients to the United States. But... Jim, we keep going down this road. Things continue to get worse. We're banning certain things here. I mean, to Carl's question earlier to you, at what point do the Chinese respond by starting to ban things in their country? Well, I think that the president is running for president and there is no love lost. I mean, look, listen about Dara did. Dara did say, look, things aren't so great. I think the president wants things not so great so he can say, even in the midst of a pandemic, did we as America back down? No. Right. We were even tougher than anybody, and I'm the toughest guy. And he likes that. So I, I think it's engineered. I personally, by the way, Carl, I don't think the Chinese had any idea who they were dealing with. I mean, I, don't, I think they felt, you know what, the president's going to be a supplicant now that their country uh, is yeah, but, uh, 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 you know, unraveled by pandemic. But uh-uh. Jim, Jim, if we get to this point, something you've, I think, seemingly endorsed previously, which is not allowing them access to our capital markets. Yes. There's also this down. possibility of, of, of delisting certain companies that don't adhere to our accounting rules, which may make sense to some extent, and there would be a period of time. But you know, I don't know. So you create two completely separate systems. I mean, I mentioned this earlier. Ant Financial is going to be one of the largest IPOs of all time, perhaps the largest. It's not happening here. Uh, 50 percent of it may be sold globally and 50 percent of it will be sold domestically. But it's going to list in Shanghai. It's going to list in Hong Kong. It's not going to list here. You think that's a good thing? Look, Henry Fernandez runs the MSI, you know, the, the Morgan Stanley, the index company where you index yes. foreign. That's where... We are in a one-world situation. We're in a Wendell Wilkie situation. So if you don't buy it here, you can buy it somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. I think that that the Chinese recognize, you know what, we're part of the indices now. And as soon as people underestimate what it was like to get in the indices, because there's so much money being invested by Rote Carl in foreign, and you're buying these companies. So it's look, there can be some hawks in the White House. But the fact is, America is buying these companies wherever they are because they're in the index. Somehow that happened. I don't think I would have done it, but it happened. And that's a year. Trillions of dollars are in the seed that goes to that to China. 
But but to David's point, Jim, if we're truly entering a new world war with China that is not fought with missiles but with money, I mean, the collateral damage, you're not going to have to be near a missile site to be collateral damage. We're all going to be collateral damage because we're all investors. Well, look, I think that the collateral damage could last uh, to the election. I don't know whether it won't, won't be more peaceable after the election. You go to Taiwan, oh, man, if they go to Taiwan and they thumb their noses at at, at the PRC, that, that is going to be that South China Sea aircraft carriers, all that stuff. I mean, no, look, I'm telling you, it's a Cold War. They want to undo the ping pong diplomacy. They want to undo the Nixon to China. That's what they want. Now, is that good for business? It's terrible for business. Are they thinking about that at all? No, they are not thinking about that. They are thinking about they have to stand up to the China, to the country that gave us the virus. That, that's not my view. David, it's not my view. Right. I'm not buying the virus thing. I don't like it, but I'm just, I, I want to be tough in trade. But the Cold War, we don't want to go back to what we had when Mao was in charge, or Joe and Lai, who was a tough guy and a chain smoker. All right, we'll take a break here, guys. Uh, later on this morning, we'll check in with Jan Hatzius of Goldman on the jobs number. Uh, Jan was not taken in by that ADP head fake. His number was almost exactly on the nose. That's coming up. Took a while to get out of the gate, uh, pricing at 18, and was a pretty soft open, but Rocket Company's making a show of it on the second day. Uh, Robert Frank points out that Dan Gilbert is now worth $41 billion, the 17th richest person in the United States. Dow's down 80. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. All right, what happens when one of these red-hot stocks that's involved with software as a service and making things better than the typical Microsoft spreadsheet slows down? All you have to do is look at Alteryx, A-Y-X, with revenues that went down. Well, the estimate of how fast the revenues were going to go was uh, reduced. And by the way, headwinds, challenging, words that are not supposed to happen when, you're, when you sell at a huge multiple to sales. I like the company Alteryx very much, but this is what happens when you get churn and you get slowing uh, for these high multiple stocks. And that's ugly. And that's a good company. Jim, have a great weekend. All right. I think that Kodak is very interesting. David, you were right to spend so many minutes on that. Thank you. I want everyone to have a great, safe weekend. A lot of people are losing their resolve. Don't lose your resolve. People are going out to dinner. People are doing silly things. They're, stop it. Yep. Uh, your your uh, advocacy on masks has been a, a good thing, Jim. Uh, we'll yeah. see you later on. Uh, Jim Cramer, of course. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.